Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the 33 Fuel podcast. My name is Warren. I'm one of the co-founders here at 33 Fuel, and it gives me great pleasure today to introduce Mr. Grant Brees. Uh, Grant was a guy who I met entirely by a fortuitous chance. There I was, out for a long bike ride in the lanes of Kent, having left central London very early one Sunday morning. And um, I was a bit peckish. There was a beautiful little Italian cafe in, in one of these villages. And I stopped, parked my bike up, time for a coffee. And uh, while I was there, got chatting to the couple at the table next to me. Very un-British, full stop, talking to strangers. What's that all about? We're not in America. But it happened. It really happened. Uh, lovely couple. And uh, the guy, Stuart, turns out, uh, Stuart Barnes is his full name. He is a former professional cricketer. He's now, I believe, the fast bowling coach at Somerset, uh, for all of you cricketers out there. Anyway, we got chatting, and Stuart was in the process of getting involved in some endurance events, uh, shaking up his training a bit, and, uh, well, as you know, he was uh, struggling with nutrition, and uh, we were able to help him out a little bit. Uh, so, as the conversation grew, Stuart said, hey, I know a guy that uh, you should have a chat with and made the introduction to Grant. I'm so glad he did um, because Grant is a personal trainer with a huge bank of experience. Um, he's worked with a number of professional athletes. He's worked with huge numbers of amateurs of all levels. But while uh, Grant does all the classic things you would imagine a, a high level experienced personal trainer to do, one of his specialities really is weight loss um, and it's not just about the kind of weight loss that you might do um, I don't know getting ready for a summer holiday or after Christmas it's about creating stable sustainable lasting change um, and that's exactly what we're going to dig into on this show today uh, really if you are looking to trim some weight then what are the best ways you can do it how can you make it uh, as easy as possible for you to win in this task. Uh, not only that, but how do you do it in a way that it stays sustainable? Uh, so that's what we'll be getting right into here. And it's exactly part of our mission here at 33 Fuel, which is simply giving athletes of all levels the best possible tools to take their health, their happiness, their performance, their strength and their speed to the next level. And we do that through sharing great content like this uh, on our podcast, on our YouTube channel, across social media. But we also do it 24 hours a day, every day of the year, without fail, in store at 33fuel.com, where we make and deliver the finest high-performance natural sports nutrition you have ever had. So check that out at 33fuel.com. But before that, let's get into sustainable weight loss, with Grand Prix. Are you, are you sitting comfortably? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Right. You're all right, you've got a hat on. Have you got lockdown hair? I yeah, well I am I'm, I'm on a bit oh, of a uh, I'm the... on a bit of a mix here, you see. It's part lockdown hair, part training this morning, <laughs> and as you now know, I have a three hour turbo coming up after this call. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Seriously, I've been debating whether to kind of just get the clippers out and, and do that, but I've decided now I'm going to grow it to the end of this, and then I'm going to do that as a kind of fig tree haircut. Well, would your would your uh, wife assist? Because I, I don't know about you, I found that actually, if you've got some clippers or a beard trimmer, which I'm going to guess you have, yeah, you can do a pretty good job. Like a perfect skin fade is quite hard. Yeah, a yeah. half decent one is actually not. Not yeah, I don't, maybe what we'll probably try and do is go for the fade first, and if it's a disaster, then I just have to <laughs> go all in. Yeah, yeah, that 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 was what I went into it with. Erica helped me out with it, so I was able to do sort of some of the sides. She did some of the back, and you know, a bit a bit of instruction and, and co-working with the scissors and and the comb, and not a bad well, job. Well, but had the backstop like you. If it was going to go wrong, shave a lot. <laughs> shave a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, you know, I get up in the morning sometimes and go, mm, yeah, it's like this. <laughs> long, long, it is long. I don't know how long it looks, but it is long. No, I, yeah. I think... Long uh, for me, anyway. Normally, it's like a two on the side, a two on the back, and, you know, 
scissor cut, like your like your length. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's the same sort of thing. Yeah. I, I think we've got the same sort of hair as well in that once you've got it all in place, even when it's quite long, it doesn't look like there's so much there. But when you wake up in the morning, it's like there's twice as much. Yeah, it's like, okay. I'm scared. <laughs> scared by my own reflection. <laughs> I've, I've, always, I've always got the emergency hat handy, though. But uh, for, for anyone who had, had tuned in and, and uh, is, is thinking, what's, what's going on? Is, is this podcast going to be all about um, hair? I mean, clearly, uh, I, th I think it's an important subject and one that we should not neglect, even as modern men. But there are other things we can go into this. I mean, just in terms of, could you give us a quick overview, Grant, of, of your background in, in health, performance, sport and, and weight loss that, that brings us into this idea of not just thriving in lockdown, but weight management and weight goals, primarily weight loss, but in some cases, maintenance or maintain? Yeah, um, I guess I've been kind of in this industry for 20, 20 years or so, I would guess. Um, and in that time, I've kind of gone from the, 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 the heavily sport-orientated, working with elite, elite athletes, and I've come right through to working with Joe Public, uh, performance nutrition, and now predominantly weight loss. Um, yeah, and now really, in, in these crazy times, never been busier than ever, really, adapting what I normally do and is normally quite easy, okay, for want of a better word. But having to change things quite rad radically for a lot of clients because of everything that's going on at the moment. But I would certainly say now that, you know, I am a, a personal trainer who specializes in coaching people with weight loss. Which is a pretty neat place to jump off the idea. I mean, I have a slightly skewed view of weight loss, not unique, but a little more unusual in that it's never been anything I've had to think about because not only have I largely apart from a break in my mid-20s i've largely always been very active but then on top of that i don't have a body type that gains weight if anything particularly with sport my goal is weight maintenance and gain um so the weight loss thing to me i don't have a personal handle on it you know I, it's not something i've had to think about whereas for a lot of people that's different and particularly how, how would that be affected in this current situation, what are the particular challenges and pitfalls you you see there and, and the ways through those? I certainly think that at, at the moment, not because it isn't the norm, I think there's probably three things, three main things that obviously our fridges, cupboards for most people are probably stocked with a lot more food than they normally are. Uh, and we're spending a lot more time at home, obviously. And thirdly, we're a lot less active. And I think if you throw those three things together, you've got the perfect recipe to put on weight. Um, and the flip side of that is that makes it quite a difficult thing to do in these circumstances, certainly to start on a weight loss plan, but even continue one. Um, I've got one client at the moment who's lost a substantial amount of weight since uh, the beginning of February. And that's mainly because the lockdown hasn't really changed his circumstances very much. He's got a home gym. He works from home. You know, we go out and walk the dogs once or twice a day. So his life is kind of the same. So it's not really affected him. Whereas other people, their life has gone like this. You know, they, they might have been training three, four times a week. They're doing this, they're doing that. And now they're having to work from home, look after kids, you know, look after partners and fit all that in around weight loss and they're coming to me and going Grant this is just not happening and then I think it's important as a coach to kind of balance everything up and say okay you know you're not going to be able to do this all the time let's look at this in a different way let's do what we can now to try and keep things at an even keel so when we come out of this we're not way back to where we started we're just trying to stay on top of things and a little bit like you guys are saying at the moment, there's going to be days where we're good and we thrive and we eat well and we train and we feel good and days where we're just trying to survive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that that's a great point that the, I mean, first of all, the, the activity level, um, uh, and we, we discussed this in some of our chats, so when you work from home, even if that's your norm, uh, your step, your daily step count is just going to basically be non-existent unless you get mindful about it. Um, 
So there's your reduced activity straight away. Even if you were going to the office every day and now you're not, well, work life, you're still working from home. You're not walking to the station. You're not going out for a sandwich at lunchtime. You're not walking around the corner with a colleague. Whatever you're doing, like that baseline of activity for almost everybody has plummeted unless you get conscious. And something someone else has noted, and I've seen this in various LinkedIn posts and from other friends who are into a working from home situation, largely for the first time other than the odd day, it's the mention of the biscuit jar. You know, well, it's always there. How many biscuits do you get through in the morning? Because it's always there. And exactly what you said. But I hadn't tied that to the fact as well, there's more food in the house in the first place. Yeah, because people are buying, well, generally, again, it's an anecdotal, but most people that I know are buying more food, right? Because they're not going out. So they're going, okay, let's buy a little bit extra to, to last us, but still probably eating all that in a smaller amount of time. I know, you know, we everybody's doing it. I'm certainly guilty of it. You know, you think, oh, we'll buy a little bit more because, you know, we won't get another online shop for a little bit and then you just devour it that much quickly. But again, I find that there's a flip side to everything at the moment. You know, myself and certainly other clients have been buying vegetable boxes. And what I've noticed is when we first bought one, it was lasting us two weeks because we kind of didn't know you know, I eat a lot of vegetables. My diet is quite good, but it was like, oh, okay, well, how, how are we going to cook this? And what are we going to have this with? And we've gone down from it lasting two weeks to it lasting a week without even really thinking about it because we've had to adapt to the food that we've got, not necessarily the food that we would have gone out and got ordinarily. So it's nice. It's taken us out of our comfort zone. And now we're cooking, you know, a, a lot more varied uh, food, which I'm hoping that a lot of other people are doing too. That, that's another brilliant common thread you've identified there. I wouldn't have noticed it, but as soon as you said that, the light bulb went off because the number of conversations I've had, it, you're right. There is, in every downside, there is an upside. You, you may you have to look for it, but we've got the downside, less daily activity, more food in the house, more boredom, frustration, a little bit of fear at times. You know, this is not the most fun situation, even if you're fortunate enough to be healthy. Um, and so that's all bad in, in, a, in a weight loss and management situation. Upside, well, people are cooking a lot more because uh, I'm sure they. I do still see the delivery bikes out around here, but there aren't many of them, and I can't imagine they're serving everybody. So that idea of just oh, you come home late from work, bang, get just eat or whatever to bring a takeaway around. Less of that, more cooking, and and is that something you're you're seeing with your clients uh, yeah, as well as with yourself? Definitely. Um, I do all the cooking at home anyway, so it's, that's kind of the same. But I could, I'm certainly thinking of one guy that I know that's pretty fit, pretty healthy, but just doesn't cook. So everything he's get is, is ordered in and you know, gets his ready meals delivered and all, all the rest of it. And now he's cooking because he's got time. He's at home. He's, he's got no family. So it's easy for him to do. So again, I think you've kind of got these kind of two polar opposites happening at the moment. And I think a lot of people are just rebounding from the pair of them, you know, the survival and the thriving, you know, surviving and thriving. I think people are just volleying between the two, depending on their, on their circumstances. And so with a, looking at it from a weight loss perspective, let's say either someone uh, wanted to start a new, new plan for a weight goal ahead of lockdown or they were on, on track with one before lockdown, but now the, the situation has changed. So whether it's starting or, or continuing, working towards that weight loss goal, um, where, where do you recommend people best start to be able to achieve success in that space while we're under the current situation? I think you have to heavily focus on nutrition simply because, you know, let's say, going to the gym makes up between five and ten percent of your total daily energy expenditure your your need you know going out and walking around your day-to-day -day, uh, makes up kind of 15 percent of your daily energy expenditure and they're immediately taken away so it's such a large portion of of what goes together to help with weight loss you've got to really heavily 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 focus on on what you're eating i think you know and because you're you're dropping 25% of what would be burning calories in your day, that's quite a sizable chunk of food. Um, so I would say, you know, it, there are people out there, I think that at the moment there are, that are losing weight, but I think there's a majority of people that 
would struggle to do that because of the quantities, because of the amount of change that it would take to keep that weight loss happening without any gym time, without any, you know, out and about just doing your, you know, non-activity exercise thermogenesis, your NEAT, and without doing, you know, any gym stuff, which only makes up between 5 and 10% of your total daily energy expenditure, but it's still quite a sizable chunk. Well, that, that echoes, uh, it was a quote I heard recently or was reminded of, I forget the athlete, but they were an early proponent, I believe, of you know really starting to look at nutrition more closely. Their point being, uh, well, I train once a day, but I eat three times a day, right? So the the, the value, like, it's a significant input to whatever the output is you want. Now, if you then remove a bit of that training, when you're right, we've got that decreased movement. Um, so by by becoming more conscious of what is being eaten. Uh, as well as presumably the, the quantity of it, uh, where would you start to unpick that one? Well, let, let's do the nutrition side of things first. Sort of, where are the key key wins and pitfalls that you see in, in that setup, both through your you know professional practice and through your clients? I think the first thing to do would be to target the shopping list, because <laughs> if it's there, you're going to eat it. It's just human yeah. nature. So I think would be to target that to really push your you know, hyper-palatable, calorie-dense foods <laughs> off the list. By, by, by which you mean, like, the chocolate biscuits, the, the, chocolate the Oreos, biscuits. the ice cream? Yeah, yeah, anything that, you know, once you start eating it, you can't stop. We all, we all know what those types of foods are, you know. Yeah. Everyone has their, their, their specific choices. But that would be my first port of call. Let's look at shopping lists. Let's try, you know. Or if you feel that you can't do without your packet of Oreos, Let's get by a smaller packet or let's only buy one packet instead of two or, you know, so you're not creating too much of a world of restriction because, again, in these difficult times, we still need to keep smiles on our faces and, and stay happy and, and keep everything in the top half of our body from the neck up working nicely as well. But, yeah, shopping lists I would definitely focus on initially, then just trying to increase protein intake. So we're, we're creating lots of, you know, high protein foods that are going to make us feel full for longer and they're going to have a nice thermogenic effect as well so we're burning lots more calories just digesting those um, and maybe again just saying right buy a whole heap of vegetables and then figure out once you've got them what you're going to do with them and how you're going to cook with them because I think you know people most people can be quite we're all adapting at the moment yeah because we have to right and so I think if you put yourself in a situation where right your shopping's arrived it might not be your normal shop, but this is it. It, you know, you'll start to adapt. You'll start to change. You'll start to do different things with food, and you'll start to, to you know, to eat in a slightly different way. That's that's a really good idea because it is that, um, and it's actually a point I'd, I'd like to move on to next one. One of the ones that you suggested about the. Uh, now I don't want to get your words wrong. It's the overcomplication of a simple principle. Um, yeah. As in the calorie deficit, but similarly. Um, what are the simple things to win here? Well, if the stuff is in the house, quite literally at the moment, you can't eat it because it's not like we're going out to restaurants or anything. But it's balancing that with some sense of a bit like in the training sense where someone goes, I'm going to run every day. And as soon as you've missed one day, your whole goal is blown. Um, maybe don't go, I'm not going to have any of those hyperpalatable calorie dense foods, you know, whether they're the chocolate biscuits I like or the crisps. I'm not I'm going to have any. But just cut it by 50, 70, yeah. 80%. There's something there, you can have it, now work with what you've got. I mean, do you think it is reasonable, I mean, we've talked about knowing people who are cooking more, hearing that anecdotally from friends and clients, but do you do you think that's a, a valuable step as well? Because when you start preparing all your meals, A, you have to be a bit more conscious about it, and B, maybe there is time to start building those kitchen skills um, and if you are making stuff from scratch, which from scratch can sound a bit, uh, what's the word, off-putting if you're not used to cooking, but really it can be as simple as like chopping some onions and some veg and stir-frying them and doing a bit of rice and chucking some, I don't know, kidney yeah. beans in it or something and you're away. So yeah. building that skill set, if you're cooking from scratch, it's very hard to go wrong because there aren't any processed ingredients going into it. You know, you haven't let someone else take charge of your cooking. You've yeah. taken control of it, and you can make a better meal. So, is is that something you would suggest to people to bring the cooking in alongside the shopping as part of this 
let's put some really strong, simple pillars in. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, again, it's, I think this, the, the kind of basis of su successful coaching is be able, being able to understand a person's lifestyle and the effects of what you're trying to implement on that person's lifestyle. So if that person, say, for his example, in a family of five, you know, they're the only one trying to lose weight or trying to maintain their weight loss while all this is going on. They've got to cook for other members of the family. In that situation, it becomes almost impossible. So then you're going to have to say, right, okay, well, let's maybe just put the brakes on this and eat what everyone else is eating, but you're just going to have a smaller portion size. So I think, you've, you know, this is where coaching really comes into its own, that you have to be like symbiotic. <laughs> you've got to be, you're in a constant state of flexibility working with people. The principles are the same. You know, the underlying principle, like you said, of a calorie deficit is the same, but the method is is constantly moving from client to client, from time of year to time of year, you know, and, and that's something I think that I really hold true no matter what you know it's like christmas time for example you know people have had a great year of training and they're doing this and they're doing that and they've lost weight and it gets to christmas and people freak out i'm just like look don't worry it's four weeks off the best athletes in the world have off seasons have time away where they do nothing look at this like that look at it as a time where you can just relax you know de-stress maybe eat some of the foods that you wouldn't have eaten before or just be you know less put less pressure on yourself so a, a bit like the uh the athlete that, that you were talking about earlier before we before we started recording who is putting in 400 kilometers a week or whatever on indoor bike training um but then because his lifestyle previously was train race train race train race you know uh not got family a professional athlete this that and the other um well, actually, there is the time in the day for that. And maybe that is a reasonable training load because there's a recovery load in there and, and that, that could be great. But you can't cookie that cookie cutter that onto someone else. Therefore, brilliant point. Great idea. Get those things out of the shop. What if you've got three kids? It's not like mm. they're necessarily going to stop eating biscuits occasionally. So there's going to be a lot more biscuits than you could eat in one go in the house just if you had a week's normal supply for the kids having a few every now and then. Therefore, yeah. how do you remove that? Great point. I, I think this is like a, you know, you could encompass the whole industry into this. Unfortunately, sad as it is to say, is I think the, the weight loss, the health and fitness industry, you know, aren't doing as good a job as they can with helping people lose weight because everybody's got a method, right? And everyone's trying to squeeze everybody into that cookie cutter method. You know, this is how you do it. This is what you've got to do to lose weight without actually educating people about the principle about what negative energy balance or calorie deficit is how that works how you achieve it how you make it sustainable and we've got this kind of continuum where people the majority of people that, that really need to lose weight at, at this end they're you know they're not eating well uh, they've got poor nutrition and good nutrition's over here and we're trying to get them to in one leap to, to jump into that to the end of the continuum and you just can't can't do it especially for somebody that's already eating you know has got a poor nutrition and and, and and overweight you know they might not eat any vegetables at all and then suddenly you're going to get them eating you know 30 40 percent of their diet from from plants and they're just gonna <laughs> pop you know they might be super motivated and manage it for a couple of weeks but ultimately what you're giving that person that cookie cutter program that cookie cutter meal plan is just totally unsustainable and therefore, it's just not going to work. Yeah, no, you're right. It's like you can't go and cycle 100 miles straight out when you've never done any cycle training before. You have to build it up gradually. I mean, I think certainly from, a, from an audience point of view here, we, we expect the majority of people have certainly an awareness of, of the basics of good nutrition and are, would be doing some, some amount of exercise and, and are probably continuing in some way where possible, and life is allowing at the moment, and, and they, they we'll all be on that scale. Some days we're surviving, some days we're thriving. But as long as the goal is thriving and we're moving in that general direction, then it's, uh, it's all gravy. So to come back to that idea of the, the basic principles and, and how they would apply across the field to everyone, it, it was that, uh, one of the comments you had in, in uh, one of the emails we, we were swapping 
the overcomplication of a simple principle of calorie deficit. So can you just sort of open that one up a little bit more for us and, and how, how that fits into this? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the principle of weight loss right itself is, is very, very simple. We need to expend more energy than we're eating. That's it in its rawest form. Yes, people would argue in lots of different ways that, that, that there's more to it than that. But if you were building a pyramid, right, that's what's on the bottom. You want to achieve weight loss. You need to be burning more calories than you're eating. Simple fact. Um, but what happens is there are a lot of people, businesses out there that, that create a method and, pu and push the principle out of the way. They don't tell people what's actually going on. So you have a lot of people that have that are trying to lose weight, they've done low-carb diets, they've done keto, they've done, you know, Slimming World, they've done, you name it, they've done it, you know, sins and cut foods out and all, all the rest of it. You'll meet these people and you'll discuss everything, but they don't know the what, how, why that that's all happened. So what I try and do is, you know, you teach someone what the, the, the basics are, what calorie deficit is, and then say, right, now, how do we fit a method around you? And it doesn't mean that you can't use bits and pieces from all those different things. You know, fasting or skipping a meal might work for some people better than others. You know, so, so that might be part of this person's method, but not that person's method. So I think it's, you know, again, from a coaching perspective, it's really important. That's why a lot of people ask me, they say, oh, you know, so what, what's, what's the method you use? And I said, well, it depends on the individual. You know, I'm just not a one size. You have to fit into my method because that works best. And I think a lot of the bigger businesses, they do that to confuse people. You know, they, they do that on purpose because, wow, what a great business model it is to have, you know, continual repeat business. When to me, it's like fraud. Someone's coming to you, they're paying you for a service. And then three months later, they've got to come back and do it again. You know, I think one of the best things that I heard was... Um, Someone saying it's like buying a driving lesson, 10 driving lessons, doing your test, and then six months later having to buy another 10 and do your test again. You know, it's, it's just crazy. You're and right. I do, yeah, I do recall that I think there was an ex-finance director of Weight, uh, Weight Watchers, I think it's Richard Samba, who claimed that 84% of their revenue came from repeat business. A great business model, but to me, that's just horrendous. You know, you're... You're leading people up the garden path. Uh, no, I, I, I hear you there. That is, um, you know, if it works, they shouldn't have any repeat business, which therefore, uh, without getting too cynical about it, where's your overall motivation to get it to work? It, it's a bit like, um, as, a, uh, as a former, it was a long time ago now, but as a former journalist, um, you know, inside the world of journalism, I, you don't ultimately really want to, in news at least, you don't want to give people the whole story because why would they come back and read the next day or, or, or read the opinion <laughs> yeah. piece or read those interviews about Like You need every side of the story because you never really have the whole thing so you keep coming back. back. And I guess there's a, bit of that, there's a bit of that going on in weight loss. I mean, so, okay, we calories in, calories out. I think everyone can, everyone can understand that one. But is there, where do you start? I mean, is it a case of what gets measured gets managed? I think that the, the kind of perspective that I have is initially you've got to give people some understanding of where they are now nutritionally. You know, most people know where they need to go. They know what they need to do to improve their health. But you, you need to kind of give them some understanding of where they are now. So encouraging people to, you know, read food labels, keep a food diary, track calories, you know, all of those things can make them more nutritionally aware. You know, people come to me and go, blimey, I can't believe that, you know, that beer that I'm drinking is 250 calories a go. You know, four of those on a Friday night and I'm ruining my whole week. You know, and, and it's not necessarily something, it's a controversial thing. A lot of people think it creates disordered eating. I would say that if, if there's, if the disordered eating there, then it might not be the best thing. It might exacerbate it. Up. But for most people, you know, I like to do it with my clients for four weeks, do all your weights and measurements, do for four weeks, then take two weeks out and see if you can manage over those two weeks to keep your weight going in the direction that you want it to go. If it doesn't, you start it again and see where you're at. Inevitably, consciously or unconsciously, human beings lie <laughs> and we will miss stuff out when we're logging. We won't log particular things. 
maybe if we're losing using my fitness power we might scroll down and, and pick the the item that says it's less calories than the same item above you know so all those things come in as factors but i think it's important that we educate we help people learn and then give them the tools to go right you know how's it going to work for you it's almost as if you're just laying it all out in front and going right I'm going to coach you through it. I'm going to show you how each of these tools work, and then you're going to decide which ones you want to use. And on the MyFitnessPal area, you're right, it has to be tailored to everybody. The MyFitnessPal thing has, has come up previously. I mean, is, is that your tool of choice for reporting? Because you're, that, you're right about that point of, uh, yeah, when people self-report, we tend to generally tip it in our favor even if we're not and, and what do you know when when companies fund scientific research that research tends to prove the point the way they want it proved um it's just a gentle bias we all have so allowing for some of that let's say i mean is it important to get this baseline calorie figure along with an idea of the breakdown of, of your daily nutrition and is my fitness pal a, a tool that you would recommend for that because i know a lot of a lot of professionals use it um, but I say, as it's not something I've ever specifically tracked, I've not spent much time with it. I wouldn't know where to start with tracking this stuff. Can you get weight loss without using MyFitnessPal? Yes. Do I use it? Yes. Is it completely accurate? No. Uh, I think, again, it just it gives people a, a guide. You know, there, there, are, there are a lot of things right with it. There are a lot of things wrong with it as well. I think people that... So say, for example, you've watched this, you go on, you log into MyFitnessPal, you say you want to lose two pounds a week, it will give you a deficit of 7,000 calories a week, which is absolutely humongous because a pound of fat is 3,500 calories. So don't ask me why MyFitnessPal does this. So to create a 7,000 calorie deficit a week, you know, it's going to be an absolute disaster. It'd be a nightmare. It'd be horrible. So, you know, you need to be able to go in create maintenance first that's what i say to my clients just do maintenance just go in and log learn and understand then you can start thinking about you know people will tell you i think i like to give people you know give people the the opportunity to for them to tell me you know to tell me okay where do you think the majority of it while well, the majority of my calories are coming from beer okay is that something you're prepared to give up no okay so if you're not prepared to give that up, how can we elsewhere change that to allow you to have your four pints on a Friday night with the boys? So again, it's that constant thing of creating that flexibility, um, you know, and, and fitness power is one way of doing that. I have to say, though, the kind of search for the ultimate calorie calculator is just gone mad. It's gone. like It's just bonkers. I get messages and messages. Oh, what about this one? And what about this one? And what about that one? It's kind of like you're missing the point about what you're using it for. You're using it for to kind of give you an idea. You know, it's, it's to make you understand. Some people can you, you know, I've got one guy who's an accountant, loves his numbers, and he uses it religiously. You know, logs absolutely everything down to the last detail. And that's his world and it works for him. Um, but for some, you know, not so much. Yeah, and that, I guess that would appeal to an accountant, that total uh, nailing down of, of every last figure. But is it a bit like, so there's a load of apps out there you could use for this. There's a load of tools you could use for this. You could write it down yourself by working it out. Um, all of those things are available to you, but is it less a case of which one you use and more the fact that you use one and stick with the same one, therefore you have a benchmark that's comparable to you? Yeah, I think it's important to stick using the same one. You might find that it works brilliantly for you. You might find that you can use it in the three months up to your holiday in, on the beach somewhere and then never use it again for the rest of the year. Um, I think like everything else, it's a tool to develop understanding. For me, that's the way I, I tell my clients about it. Um, does it create disordered eating? Does it make people obsess about calories? I don't think so. You know, Again, I use the analogy of saving money. You know, if you're saving to buy a car, you need to know how much you're earning, how much you're spending, and how much the car costs. You know, calories and weight loss are, are pretty much the same as that. You, you know, you need to know roughly 
what you're bringing in, <laughs> what you're expending, and and how much you need to get rid of. You know how. So yeah, it's a useful tool. It's not for everybody, and I think you know there's certainly times where I've not used it at all. You know, certainly in the past, you know, three or four years ago, I didn't use it at all. I was using a different uh, platform that I've again that I still use now for some people that was very successful. You know, that was all about all very habit and behavior based, um, giving people individual habits to do on a weekly basis. And you do those habits for a week and then stack the habits on top. And, you know, and it works really well. And it still works really well for people. I think if you're very, very regimented in your approach, you're only going to attract one type of person that fits into that mold and you're going to miss out on everybody else. So from a business perspective, for me, I want to have a, an approach where, you know, I can take lots of different types of people in from different backgrounds and different lifestyles and, and make things work for them. Yeah. So we, we, we've got uh, an element of consciousness and control over the food coming in as into the house. Yeah. An element of consciousness and control over the food then going into the body and the cooking and preparation that's being done around that, the ingredients that are being used and that thoughtfulness, now we've got some kind of a reliable to us and manageable to us form of measurement of calories in. So these are the baselines and exactly as you've made so clear, there isn't going to be one size fits all, but start with the consciousness and you know, what's the end goal I want to get to and where you to be able to influence how you can make these elements fit your life. So we I'm going to guess, would the next stage be measuring what's being burned? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shows how much I know about this one. Well, I think, you know, so a lot of people do that, but I think a little bit like how the activity, the, the accuracy, sorry, of a, of the, my fitness pal and the accuracy of various fitness trackers. So, I don't get my clients to sync their Fitbits, Garmin's, whatever it is that they're using with my fitness power because immediately what it does is subtract that figure away from your total. So if you've gone out and you've done X and you've burnt supposedly 500 calories, it then gives the impression on fitness power that you still have that 500, you've got that 500 calories back to consume. And again, all you're doing is adding more discrepancies into it. So then it becomes harder to manage and harder to find that figure of where you're really at. So say, for example, your daily or your daily calorie target is 60, 1800, say, and, you know, you're over and under like that all through the week. Or you might intentionally be under all week because you're like my mate who wants to have his beers on a Friday night. So he wants to be under all week and then over at the top. If you start then bringing another variable into it, like a fitness tracker of some description, the margin for error then gets bigger because with the margin of error with the fitness, uh, with the fitness power can still be quite big. So if they're following, you know, regimented and they go, Hey Grant, I'm having my four pints, but I'm, you know, 300 calories a day under and I'm not losing weight. Then we go, okay, well let's drop it down a little bit. Let's drop it down another hundred calories a day, 700 calories a week and then see where we're at. Do that for a week because it's not accurate. None of these things, it would be great if they were. You know, it'd be great if there was a way to figure out when we eat food, how many calories it took to burn that food up and digest it. You know, all these different variables are thrown in there. So we just got to try and be as accurate as we can when we can, I think. And then fine tune it as you go along the way rather yeah. than overcomplicate it. Yeah. And you need that time. You have to have that, 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 that time to do things to figure out, you know, what is going to work for that person. And so, I mean, one of the other things that, that you'd mentioned in, in one of our earlier emails was the idea of how to create a sustainable calorie deficit. Um, you know, there's the basic premise, uh, it's calories in, calories out at a basic level. And you know, as you're much more aware, there are a lot of other angles in there that people would bring in. But if there's a pyramid, I love that description. If there's a pyramid, the bottom of the weight loss pyramid is that. You can't, yeah. you can't do it without that. Therefore... Yeah. Um, in terms of making that sustainable deficit, uh, I know we've looked at measurement, which will certainly be a part of it and feeling and then, you know, measuring regularly to see are you going in the right direction. But what more would you add on, on that idea of, 
of creating that that sustainability? I think the main thing for, for me and with my clients is familiarity. And that shocks a lot of people because you think, well, you're trying to get them away from what they're doing now. And I think that's the same for, for everybody, whether they're an athlete or, you know, somebody who's very overweight and wants to lose. You need to keep that familiarity because if it's radically different, they're just not going to be able to sustain it. You know, you're going from, again, that continuum of, of good nutrition or poor nutrition to good nutrition. You're just trying to do a leap or you might be halfway along of it. And again, you're trying to leap to, to, to somewhere that's just not familiar. Whereas if you keep things familiar, make small changes, get them bedded in, get them working, make a few small changes, you can progress along that continuum to a spot where things start to work for you. It might not be all the way to this super duper good nutrition but it might be at a point where you're going, hey, this is working for me. I'm losing weight. I'm still doing my Friday night beers with my mates and I'm playing football now as well. Or you're doing all these different things. So your lifestyle is still familiar, but you've lost weight. And I think, you know, that helps with educating people about foods as well. You know, we have this preconception that, that, that these foods are for weight loss and these foods aren't. When the reality is like all foods are for weight loss. It's the quantities of the, of the foods that you're eating that is the issue. Yes, we always want to push you towards good health and better health. But your starting point is let's keep things nice and familiar so you can continue to do them. You know, again, going back to the Christmas thing, it's the one time of year that you can throw the most ridiculous diets, fads at people and they'll do them for four weeks, six weeks because they're so motivated, you know, that gorged and gorged and it's like oh, I can do that now you know but if you could create something sustainable it means that they didn't have to turn their life upside down for January and half of February and they could keep that going right the way through to the summer and so they're you know beach ready or whatever you want to call it for their beach holiday or just feeling better in themselves so that that idea of keeping it the, the radical change idea okay I'm going to fast one day a week or I'm going to swap to a plant-based diet or I'm going to run every day, whatever it may be, that can work for some people in some situations. And I think from a media point of view, we hear a lot more about those. The alcoholic who became a marathon runner, the the chain smoker who's now a free diver, the, you know, whatever it may be, the, you know, the guy who was super overweight and is now like a bodybuilder and he only eats broccoli, you know, that... Yeah. What do you hear about them? I read that article. <laughs> I think it was on PubMed, wasn't it? <laughs> so you, you you hear about that, and you th maybe in a way, does that make people think the only way I can do this is by totally upending my life in a radical transformation, which for 99% of the population is not feasible. Therefore, even getting out of the start gate is much harder when you don't have familiarity. Yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head. It, there's so much misinformation out there that, that Joe Public, no matter what they want to do, you know, run the marathon or lose 10 kilos, that they, you know, they're like rabbit in the headlights. It's like, oh, well, Christ, you know, what, what do I do? Where do I go? Or they're that other type of person that's done absolutely every diet plan going and is back to where they were before anyway. So, you know, the, the misinformation is definitely a, a, an issue, I think, within the industry. Yeah, and, and I'm then, sure there'll be a lot of people that will watch, you know, uh, and not agree with anything that I say. And, uh, you know, that's fine. You know, that's what makes it interesting and, you know, good to debate and everything. But you I think we all need to gr agree on what the fundamentals are. Yeah, but I, I think you're right. There's a lot of segmentation and fragmentation in that industry and a lot of things where, you know, well, you see all these case studies. It worked for this guy. It worked for that. Like, well, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do the other. On that end... Um, how do you deal with clients who do feel they're in that position where I've tried everything? Now, now clearly you can pick apart I've tried everything because if there are 5,000 diets out there, you probably haven't done 5,000. Um, however, the impression they've tried Atkins, they've tried Keto, they've tried 80-20, they've tried whatever it might be. The, you know, someone who has repeatedly got up got into the battle to go, right, I'm going to do this, and has come out with a bloody nose, and go, oh, not another one. Do you deal with many clients like that? And if so, where do you start? Because just even psychologically, that must be hard. 
Yeah, I'd say 80% of my clients have done every every diet going in, in the past at some point. Um, and I think it's how you approach it again. You know, you, there's no point. They know that they've got a crappy diet. Uh, and I think you need to tell them as well that, you know, you can still eat a crappy diet and lose weight. It's not where we want you to be, but we can keep you near to where you are and you can still lose weight. We still want you going over to that, you know, the good side of the continuum. Um I think, you know, it's easy to kind of, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here. So I think most people's experiences are they've been, you know, they've been put into an uncomfortable situation. They're made to feel that everything that they're doing is wrong, you know, and it makes it very hard for them. A lot, a lot of people that want to lose weight, they'll start on a program and subconsciously they know that they can't keep to it they know that they're not going to adhere to it they know that they're going to fail at it because they've failed at everything else and all these diet plans work in some way they all work all of them are they sustainable are they right for every single individual absolutely not so when i take a client on like that 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 has been and done every diet i think the first thing you need to do is you need to build confidence in that person that what they're trying to achieve is achievable and it is achievable without turning their life upside down and every single, you know, because there's so much to worry about. There's, you know, pressure from family members. There's, you know, social things that you've been doing your whole life that you decide that you're not going to do anymore because it's detrimental to you losing weight. You know, friendships that you've got, you know, pizza and curry nights with mates or girlfriends or whatever it is that you're suddenly going to go, oh, no, I can't do that anymore. You know, it. The ramifications of, of weight loss, I think, are far-reaching. And I think it's a kind of mistake, whether you're a sports performer or you want to lose 10 kilos, to kind of filter it down to this pinpoint of this is where the magic happens. This is where you need to be. It's a much more broader spectrum of, of different things. And when you take a client on that's been and done all the diets, building that confidence, helping them understand making sure that they understand that it's okay to have a bad day you know you're only ever one meal away from getting back on track you will have bad days everybody does whether you're you know the best or the worst we all have it the key is is how you react to those bad days you know again an analogy that i heard is if you have a puncture in your car tire you don't jump out of the car and, and you know pop the other three tires do you you get the tire fixed and you carry on going i thought that was brilliant pinch that I can't remember who said it now but you know and I think that's important when you're taking on somebody who's who's been there and done them all and I, you make a great point there about again similar to the shopping you go back to the root cause and the start you know let's not overcomplicate this um you know how do we start in terms of improving the quality of our food or the mindfulness of it start with the shopping list that's where we go back to the source um if the feeling and the experience, being you know, I've tried all of these diets, none of them have worked, then the subconscious feeling, or maybe even consciously understood feeling that, well, this one's not going to work either. When you start with that sort of impression, your chances of success are massively reduced before you've begun. Whereas if you can, by the sounds of it, help to educate and understand that person and see them as they can understand that idea, you know, your past is not your future. Uh, I love your point. You're only one meal away from being back on track. Well, if you had a crap meal or you had a day or whatever it was, it doesn't mean that you have to keep going in that direction. Address your emotion and your reaction around it and try and build some confidence into the big picture there. Would, would that be a part of it? Yeah, definitely. And I think with a lot of people, once you build up a rapport and you're, you're working with somebody a while, you start to do a bit of digging and you, and you start to find out that there were aspects of certain plans that they did that did work for them. And then you can start bringing those in. You know, I've got one client I'm thinking of now specifically that like, enjoys socializing at the weekend. So, you know, weekends are a big thing. That's where all the food and all the drink and everything comes on board. So, you know, they have meat-free Mondays and, you know, they fast, fast, or they skip a meal fasting. Do call it what you like. <laughs> you know, they, they're comfortable doing that because in their head it's go, oh, I don't need to eat breakfast on Tuesday or Wednesday, do meat-free Monday. So they're kind of, doing all these different bits and pieces of all these different plans that they've done and they've just stuck them all together and it works for them, you know, rather than just being like this kind of brand ambassador for the ketogenic diet or whatever it is 
and trying to, you know, oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. I think, you know, you can take the best bits of all of them and use them to your advantage. And combine them, because even in that feeling of I've tried everything, nothing's worked, um, one of our, our great business mentors here at, at 33 Fuel, we were having a chat with him recently, and, and he said that the human brain will naturally see what doesn't work. And in any situation, there are generally going to be more ways it can't work than ways that it can. So you can write a list of 100 reasons why weight loss won't work in this instance, but you only need one or two. Right? For success, only requires one or two. It doesn't matter if there's 100 stacked up on the other side. You only need to find one or two that work. Therefore, you're saying that as those conversations develop, someone might say, well, I tried keto, it didn't work. But I did like doing X, which seemed quite good. Yeah. You then start to individualize that. There has been success in the past. End result, no, but maybe there yeah. were some experiments that worked. What can you learn from those to now, now if you can, by the sounds of it, if you've helped someone alter their own psychology and beliefs around their capability to do this, then maybe shine that light back. And I mean, did, did you go through any processes to sort of unearth those things that might have worked in the past? Because they, there are tools that are sat on the table now. Yeah, generally you'll find that when you say, oh, you know, say somebody's, they rattle off four different diets they've done and you go, okay, right, so what, were there any particular parts of that that were successful? When you do your initial consultation, they'll say no. 100% of the time they'll say no because they're pissed off that they didn't work for lots of different reasons. At the diet, at themselves, generally at the diet, it's, you know, because there's that lack of accountability and that lack of understanding there. Um, so it does take time to, to build up you know, it's. I'm sure that any personal trainer out there would would agree with me that you start with a client, you do an assessment, you collate as much information about what you're trying to do, whatever it is. You know, the more information, the better. You get a few sessions in, and you know, clients say, "Oh yeah, da, 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 and you go, "You never told me that." Scribble it down. You know, and so the information comes, you know, to you gradually. You know, and I think it takes a while for people to kind of open up and have confidence in you as as a coach. And I think that's what makes a successful coach, no matter what you're doing. You need to have that ability to understand and, and empathize with people before you can guide them. If you're just kind of steamrolling them into a kind of, hey, look at me, I've got a six pack and I prep all my meals on a Sunday. And, you know, this is what I do. And you have to follow that if you want to look like me. It's just a crazy approach. And I don't honestly think it works. I really don't. I think you're right. I think it. It can work if you can cookie cutter that into your life and force yourself to do it for a certain period of time, you know, similar to the calorie in, calorie out. You know, if that gets that sort of result, you can go in that direction doing that. Can you sustainably achieve that within the constraints of your life and your likes, dislikes, you know, things you want to keep, things you want to change? No. You know, most people are just going to find it pretty uncomfortable and unpleasant. Yeah, and it's, you know, and especially as well, if if you know that it's, that it takes four weeks, you know all you're thinking about is week four because you know oh, I can do this for four weeks because in four weeks time I'm going to go back to the old me. I'm going to eat the foods that I ate. I'm going to drink the drinks that I had. I'm going to sit down. I'm not going to do anything. So that's comforting, you know. And that's what happens. It's like when people do you know dry January. Yeah, I do dry January. February the first, I'm going to drink my head off, you know. And that's what people do. You know, it makes it easier to do those four weeks. And it's a point, it upsets me. I feel upset for people when they put so much time, so much effort, so much money into diet, weight loss, and, you know, are happy at the end when it's over. It's like, this isn't over. This is if, you know, it should be a continual journey. And it's not, it's not going to do that. It is going to do this. And, you know, I think sometimes people are missold and are told things just to get a sale and just to get them on board when, you know, you've got to be real with people. I know I say things to people sometimes and they look at me like that and go, you shouldn't be saying that. It's like, well, my, my weight went up. My weight went up. And it's, well, you need to help that person understand why that was. Was it because their salt intake was more? Was it because their carbohydrate intake was more? When are they weighing themselves? Have they had a bowel movement? You know, this, make them understand why body weight fluctuates. And then when they weigh themselves and the scales don't read what they want, they're, they're not going to suddenly go, oh, no, I need to pop all three other of my car tires now. This is over. I'm not doing it, you know. And to, to be able to keep them on that path 
it is again a hugely individual process but when you get people who are so looking at that temporary goal side of it okay goal weight is x uh time to goal is 12 months let's say so you know if they've done the work and this is the right sort of time frame and you know everything is lined up it's fitting their life they're enjoying it they're doing it bingo okay so we've achieved the goal there should be some sort of celebration and enjoyment of that but now what about maintenance um is that about consistently maintaining a calorie deficit now or because how do you then manage the the landing as it were that could be potentially almost almost as difficult or harder yeah i think so i think if you'd work with someone for 12 months i'd want them to be happy to to have a that's you know we're talking about your average joe your average jane of have a window of flexibility in their diet so you know they might have good days and bad days or you know they put on a six pounds eight pounds over a couple of months and then they know that they can go oh hold on a minute and then they can rein it back in again I think the key is, is you're trying to develop new habits that then become the habits and there aren't any old habits anymore. You can't, there's no old habits to go back to. You've spent a year changing mindset, developing new habits about exercise, about nutrition, hopefully dragging their friends and family members on board for support and, you know, taking them to a point where if they finish working with you in 12 months time, it's not the end of the journey it's just they're carrying on to do something else and hopefully have a life where they're in control of their weight and they they look and they feel how they want to feel so to, to go back to your driving test analogy it's like you use that period to learn to drive but after that it's not like you get out of the car and never get in it again you then begin to drive and you become better at it and better yeah. at it again and the things yeah. that you know you, where it previously took, um, or go to a most racing analogy here, because I know we both share a little bit of uh, background in that space. There was a guy who wrote a book about uh, motorcycle racing, Keith Code. Uh, it's called A Twist of the Wrist for anyone who wants to go get it. Um, it's not as suspicious as it sounds if you're not into <laughs> motorbikes. Keith Code's point was in any, uh, for any motorcycle racer, that you have $10 of attention. And if you are, that's it, right? You haven't got any more. If you are spending $9 getting the clutch out with stalling, you've got $1 left to think about riding the bike. Okay, that's the same thing when you pass your driving yeah. test. You're, let's change it, let's get English here. We can do it in pounds. We've got 10 pounds of attention, nine pounds is getting the clutch out without stalling. We've got one pound left to spend on driving. That's not a lot. Give that a few years, well, that clutch now only costs 2p. You've yeah. got nine pound and 98 to put into everything else. Yeah. So it sounds like your approach is much more to develop that process and to develop that learning so that you come out with the skill set whereby, you know, where previously it cost you nine pounds to think of, well, what food should I or shouldn't I eat? That's now yeah. a 10p decision. Well, there's yeah. nine pound 90 left to keep the journey going. Yeah, definitely. And I think you can, you can equate that to calories. You know, people say to me, oh, I don't want to be walking into a pub for the rest of my life going, that's 10 and that's 5,000 calories and da, da, da. And I'm like, you won't, you just won't. You do that initially, right? It's what do they call it? Uh, unconscious competence is it when you have to remember something and then it becomes subconscious competence where you do it without thinking about it you know and that's what happens you know I don't I've not counted my calories forever because I can kind of I kind of know you know I kind of know what I need I kind of know when it's not quite right and I know when need a bit more in the tank and I know when I've put a bit more on and you know and I think that's like your driving test you don't get in and go hold on a minute oh, seat belt and then what is it next you just get in and you do it it's automatic and I think that's what happens when you get to a good point with your nutrition and your food and, and your weight loss. That must be a, a big skill on your side to be able to take those two different views, i.e. things that are subconsciously competent for you, i.e. the things that happen automatically that you don't need to think about, being able to unpick those, translate them, go back to where you were at the start, you know, before you started doing all this 20 years ago or whatever it was, and to be able to interpret that in a way that someone coming into it with a different perspective or a newer perspective can then understand. Yeah, you can, and I think, you know, if you think about learning anything, like this, you can continue with the, with the driving analogy, it's like you're bombarded. I've got to do what and how and what. And do. So as a coach, you need to make sure that 
you know, different people can take on different amounts of information. Some people will sit there and go, right, give it to me. I want to know it all. I want to do it. How much? And they'll take it on board. Other people will just, again, rabbit in the headlights will be like, so, you know, you have to be a good enough coach to understand who needs lots of information and, and who needs it drip fed them very, very gently. And I, I guess that's a big thing for, for people themselves to work out, honestly, is, you know, as you've made so clear throughout this, you know, okay, which direction do I want to go in? Where can I start making positive changes in terms of food in, uh, food into the house, then what I'm eating, then how can I help and support my mindset for success, and how can I blend what I've done in the past? But being able to put that into some sort of individually relevant program, um, that sounds like it certainly a challenge, but you know, you've very skillfully done it with a number of people. I mean, do you think it's something? Surely it's not, not something, it's not impossible for people to do, right? It just takes getting some momentum moving in the right direction. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's such a challenge because there's, you know, I'm sure you're aware of the kind of, I'm waiting for the right time, you know, I'm going to start on Monday. You know, all that kind of mindset of, you know, everything has to be right and in place. You know, but every day is part of life. So let's start now because you're going to have days like today and days like tomorrow. So it's all good experience of how this is all going to fit together. And, you know, I've had clients that have come and seen me and disappeared off the face of the planet and then come back and had a completely different result. You know, so you, it's, it is a challenge to get people in the right mindset, to get people moving forward. And I think from a personal perspective, as a coach, sometimes it, will, it won't work and sometimes you won't be able to... to you know, take a, a client where they want to go and that's okay and you need to be okay with that because they might come back knocking at your door again and you might get a completely different result with them. So do you think there's an element of that idea of uh, when the student is ready, the teacher appears sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think there has to be an element of that. You know, I, 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 I'm thinking of one client I had a long time ago who turned up to see me and we did an assessment and her husband... Uh, sorry, his wife, sorry, had paid for him to come and see me. So he, he would, you know, he didn't want to change anything. He didn't want to work out. He didn't want to, you know, lose weight, really. You know, so it was like, there's no way. I, I'm, there's no way I can get this guy to, to do these things. So what are we going to do? We either knock it on the head or we park those things, just come into the gym or have some fun and we'll do some training and see where we are in 10 hours of training time. And then that person's starting to go, actually, you're kind of enjoying this. And then all you do is focus on the training. Focus, let's do this for the training, this for the training, this for the training, this for the training. And then one day they come in and go, Grant, I've lost a load of weight. Because you've just pushed the whole weight loss thing out of the way and focused on just doing the training. And then it's become about the training and not the weight. And that person's suddenly gone, hey, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm dropping weight. It's great. Can we keep going? Can we do another session a week? You know, so sometimes it's you know, about taking away from what the goal is and focusing on other things. Like you were saying about the whole... 12 month period and you know my goal is to lose 12 kilos in the next six months you know end result end result end result and you go well initially let's just focus on coming to see me twice a week we'll talk on the phone once a week this is what you're going to do and then we'll move forward from there so you're focusing on the process goals on a weekly basis or a daily basis even and building on top of that rather than each morning getting up and going on the scales blimey I'm still not 12 kilos lighter than I need to be in six months you know so you, you're creating a mindset that's not focusing on that end result that's all process goal driven getting to the gym twice a week doing a few other bits and pieces that have been set out and then just building and building and building on that yeah I mean it, it's you're right that there's a there's a lot of disinformation out there around this subject there's a lot of uh, complication and over complication of it um but I think what you've really served up here is a great balance of just smart, sound, well-tested, thoughtful advice that could give anyone a smart jumping-off point to go, right, I'm going to start on this, you know, whether it's weight maintenance, weight loss, or even in some cases weight gain. Um, I mean, I know we didn't go into the gain side too much, but uh, maybe that's something we could dig into in more depth on, on another show. 
Um, yep. But in the meantime, where, where can people best find you, Grant, other than in your house? But clearly, at the moment, <laughs> they're all in our houses. Ironically, they can't uh, oh. find you at your house. Uh, they can find me online, Breeze to You. Uh, Instagram is, tends to be my platform at the moment. Um, yeah, Breeze to You.com or Instagram at Breeze to You. Well, send me a DM, send me a message. I'm always happy. I always answer every single question I get, always. Because I think it's important. You know, at the end of the end of the day, I'm in this game uh, to help people. You know, that's why I do what I do. Um, you know, I'm not motivated by anything else. It's nice to pay bills as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, but no, I'm in this to help people. So yeah, get in, get in contact and uh, see if we can help you. Well, you heard the man. All his details will be in the links below. Um, but do go and hit Grant up on Instagram or on his website or on Twitter. He will answer you, even if it's 3 a.m. Um, Definitely, especially. I'm still up. <laughs> Grant, thanks so much for making the time today. Really, really good having you on and really good having a chance for to catch having up. Me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Warren. There you have it, folks. Mr. Grant Brees and all you ever wanted to know about sustainable weight loss. Uh, with, I forgot at the beginning, uh, a small interjection into the world of uh, lockdown hair issues uh, for men. Uh, I'm sure ladies out there, you've been struggling with that as well. Um, but you know, that long hair, it can just keep growing. I realise this may be a roots issue, but us guys, if you've got a trim and tidy short bit of hair, um, pretty tough one to manage during lockdown. DIY skills only go so far. Uh, there is always a hat, should things go wrong. But look, we're not all about the hair here. Uh, we're all about health, performance, happiness, and well-being. Um, so when you are in the market, for the best natural sports nutrition you have ever had. Um, get yourself over to 33fuel.com and go nuts. Look forward to seeing you there.